With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for our Season 5 update episode, Season 5, Episode 44. As a quick reminder, in this episode, I was joined by Lori Davis, Lonnie Sowery, and Damian Eccles himself to update us on what's going on with their case and the case of the disappearing evidence. I'm joined today, of course, by Mike and Zach, and Mike has a whole list of your questions, so let's get right into it. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alrighty, before we get into all of your questions about the West Memphis 3 update, uh, I want to give you another update. I mentioned last week, unfortunately, I was going to tell you right now that if you're around the Cleveland area and you want to buy tickets to see uh, myself, Josh Hallmark, and Nick and the Captain together in a true crime discussion and Q&A session to check my social media for a link to buy tickets. But the tickets went on sale today, the day we're recording on Wednesday. And within an hour, they were sold out. So the show is sold out. So I do want to let you guys know if you did, it's a small venue where we're, it's the, I don't remember the name of it, so I'm going to say it. Look at my social media. I'll post about it more and I'll update you guys in next week's episode. Um, But here's the deal. So apparently this is like a big bar, restaurant type place. And then in the basement, they have an an event venue. And that's where we're going to do the live show that people bought tickets for. The venue downstairs has very limited seating. That's why we had to do a ticket sales. We're, we're, we're using the ticket sales just to cover our costs and any, and any profits are going to the um, and the backlog.org uh, to, to fund some DNA testing. But we sold tickets to, like I said, just cover those expenses. It's, it's limited seating. But if you missed out on, it was posted on all my social media, but if you missed out on getting tickets and you're around Cleveland and you still want to come, you still can. The details, again, I'll share, but I believe the doors open at 6.30. The show's from 7 to 8 or 8.30. And then after the show is over, all four of us will be going upstairs into the bar, and it'll be, uh, we have it listed as cocktail hour, but essentially we'll be doing a big meet and greet uh, upstairs in the bar area for the rest of the evening. So if you want to come, we're still doing, it'll be, I think it's going to be a huge fan meetup besides the people that are coming to the show. So if you want to still show up there, have some drinks after the live show is over, 
You can still hang out with me, Josh, Nick, and the captain in Cleveland. That's August 5th. All the details will be shared on social media, and I'll give you more specifics on that in next week's follow-up as well. But that's just, uh, gosh, I think it's two weeks away. Coming up quick. Coming up quick. That means summer is almost over already. Yeah, what a bummer. Like six weeks till school starts. Ugh. 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 All right, let's get into these questions. Uh, Zach, before we do, Zach, did you have any comments you wanted to add before we start doing questions? Yeah, this whole situation is such a bummer, and not just for for the West Memphis Three, for for Damian, Jason, and Jesse, uh-huh. but but truly for for Pam, for Mark. By- I mean, I know Mark Byers has passed, but for yeah. all these families, I mean, this is such a bummer because we, if this is true, if this evidence is lost, we are never going to find the truth, right? You know, if this evidence is lost, yes, it may we may be able to have some legal precedence to. To exonerate the three, but that doesn't bring still not going to solve it. That still doesn't solve it. It still doesn't bring the truth out. You know, if, if this is true, it's devastating. See, you know, what's interesting is when I talked to Damien, and we hear that in the end of the episode, I didn't quite understand when he said he's actually feeling optimistic about it. And it did, I had to re-listen to what he had said and then think about it a little deeper because I was like, optimistic. They just said they lost all the evidence. Mm-hmm. But, but but like what Damien said, he said that like we have them because of all the engagement and support of all of you that are listening and the viewers of the show and other case supporters over the years. We have them for the first time ever. The state of Arkansas is is quite literally backed into a corner right now. Like they're going to be forced to take action. And they have the level of corruption going on here, I think, could push us to the point of like DOJ involvement at this point. If if they truly did destroy the evidence, or if they're lying about destroying the evidence, like like they as as my as my dad likes to say, they have shit in their mess kit this time because they they that's a strange thing. Yeah, I don't know who would ever do something like that, but I get the impl- I, but I understand what he means by it, and that's what they've done. They by their own actions have put themselves in a place where they have no way out now. Like they are backed in. They've gone on the record of saying the stuff. And 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 I think their hope was that that everyone was just going to go away. Like, oh, the evidence is gone. I guess that's the end of it. I don't think they were expecting uh, the driving force that is just getting started right now, pushing back against them. But they are truly backed into a corner right now. I personally do not think the evidence is lost. I've got some. Um, well, I, I guess well, I'll just I'll just share what I what I know now, and we'll see if it covers any of these questions as we as we go through. But we already know. That one of the things they said was an absolute lie. So they, uh, I believe, Cressman and the West Memphis PD or the the mayor, someone in there or a combination of them said the evidence was destroyed 15 years ago in a fire at the police station. Uh, thankfully, Mara Leverett, um, who she wrote the book The Devil's Knot, and it has it has just been an inv- investigating and reporting on this case for decades. She's amazing. She filed an open records request with the fire department and I believe the police department requesting the reports from any fires that have occurred in any West Memphis police department buildings in the last 15 years. And uh, she posted on her Twitter the other day that she got her response back from the fire department and, and they said there has, they went through all their records. There has only ever been one fire in the, in anything belonging to the West Memphis police department. And it was a very, very small fire in a building that stores chlorine, not in, not where they would store. So if you know this, but you don't store evidence in the same place you store chlorine. 
that's probably for any um yeah my my guess would be it would be for um the streets for cleaning streets i don't know what those chemicals could be used for uh but in in any case there it was it was a building that is only designed sounds like a shed that stores chlorine and it was extinguished they called 911 and then the an employee put the fire out quickly with an with a fire extinguisher before the fire department even arrived so we know with 100% certainty that that was an absolute lie. The evidence was not destroyed in a fire. And that should get you pretty fired up because if that's a lie, what else are they lying about? But we know that that part for sure was a lie. And then the rest of it, you got to look at the, at, the, at the verbiage that's being used. I keep saying it over and over again, and I was saying it. You heard me in the interview saying it. They, they're not saying the evidence is lost. They're, they're being very ambiguous in their language to make it appear or seem as though the evidence has been destroyed or lost without saying directly that it was other than the state. The only, the only statement they made that was direct about the evidence being lost was that it was burned up in a fire at the West Memphis police department building. And now we know that was a lie that didn't happen. I don't think it's lost at all. And, and then look at how this thing's shaking out too. So as they've said that the immediate pushback was open records requests from Damien's legal team saying we want to we want the records if it was lost or destroyed we want to know when it was destroyed who destroyed it on whose orders how was it done when was it done where was it done and nothing they can't get i guarantee you that the 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 that Cressman his office the West Memphis Police Department are are, are just are, are terrified right now because they 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 fucked up by going and, and trying to get out of this by saying it's gone and now we want evidence and proof that it's gone and they don't they're just not replying which is another violation of the law by the way Arkansas law is pretty clear they have 3 days to reply and they're not replying to the requests so this is an ignorant question but is is that something they have to document when evidence is destroyed they have to document that it was destroyed 100% yeah and for them to say it's been destroyed that means they must they ha- they're acknowledging they have documentation mm-hmm. you know like if they, if they know what's been destroyed or if it got misplaced has been in it and this was in their Alfred plea that that Ellington agreed that they that they absolutely would preserve the evidence, all of it, for any future testing. So there's so it was not a mistake. None, none of this happened. I think it's all sitting. I'm t- I'm telling you, in those which you heard me and Lonnie talking about in those emails, like they said they have the evidence and they are having someone package the get, get the evidence packaged and get it ready to send to the lab, and they wanted the 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 FedEx number uh, account number. For the pure gold forensics DNA lab, the MVAC lab, so they could get it shipped out. Now you can't tell me that they weren't looking at the evidence, and then and then now that you're later like, oh, it was gone 15 years ago. There's just no way. This is all bullshit, in my opinion. Okay, guys, let's jump into these questions. Our first one's from Lynn. If any of the evidence still exists, what pieces do you think would yield the best MVAC results? Meaning those pieces that would lead towards the real murderer. I think for sure, I think our biggest chance is the shoelaces because there are still, we had, I mean, we were going, when we were filming the show, we were looking through all the records and all the different testing that was done. And it was clear there were still multiple pieces of shoelaces where the knots were still intact, that they still have not untied the knots. And the analyst, Dr. Susan Ryan, or I don't know if she's a doctor, actually, Susan Ryan at Pure Gold Forensics that does the MBAC said you know that's a, because everything was in water now now granted she said send us everything 
She said, you never know. The clothes, she said, even the bike, any of that stuff, we can try to get um, uh, DNA testing off of it. But the, but our best bet is probably the knots because, number one, when you tie a knot, you as she said, you absolutely, you shed all kinds of skin cells when you're tying a knot together. So that's a place where at the killer's DNA absolutely should be, for starters, number one. Uh, and number two, because they would be wrapped up within the knot, they're less likely to be washed away by the water and, and degraded over time because they're secured inside there. So, so the knot, uh, the knots on the bindings, I think, is our, is our best bet. But again, she said, send us all of it. We can, we can end back all of it, the clothes, the bike, everything that exists. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Nextland says, when you started the Forgotten West Memphis 3, you said you were reluctant to investigate a famous case covered by so many. But look what you have helped them gain in finding the truth. Will you consider doing another famous case in the future? Why or why not? It would have to be a very specific set of circumstances for me to. I mean, this the cases are, I would say, easier from you know even like a marketing perspective. If I was to gr- grab a very famous wrongful conviction case and say I'm doing a podcast on it, you have a built-in audience that brings more people in. But you know, I just number one, I just I. One a, a big part of our mission here is to is to help people that don't have anyone fighting for them, and so to to grab a case that already has a ton of support and lawyers and all that stuff already built in and a lot of media, you know, we're just we're just kind of adding to it. Which you could everybody always could use more help, but you know, you hate to miss out on the you know the, the case that no one's ever heard of. I always think back to to Ed Eight's case. You know, no one had ever heard of his case. The Innocence Project hadn't taken his case. He had no lawyers, no help. And because we took it, you know, we, you know, obviously he's home now, which is amazing. But, you know, but look at all the the support from you guys and the reconnect. There's just, there's just so much more we can do with someone that doesn't already have a lot of media coverage and, and support around them. And when I say that, it, I, I wouldn't rule it out. It had to be a specific set of circumstances. And and in this case, in the West Memphis Three case, if you remember back when I took it, my reasoning for deciding to take it is because when I watched all the documentaries and listened to everything that was out there on it and read the books, what I realized is everyone seemed to have missed something, and that is Stevie, Michael, and Christopher. That that even though Damian, Jason, and Jesse had had a ton of media surrounding them and all this help and all these things that, that that they had going on for them, 
no one had ever stood up and fought for Stevie, Michael, and Christopher. I'll be the first to admit, I, you know, I've been a supporter for a long time. I followed this case. I've been very active in this case for a long time. And, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm very guilty of that. Very guilty of not focusing on the three, the, the three children. You right. Know, only the three that were in prison and not really trying to find the truth, trying to find, trying to get them out. Exonerated. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, needs, needs to happen. Obviously, it's, it, you know, that, that's not to diminish that at all. But, but that's why I took it. That's why I took this famous case because it was, yes, everybody else had covered it, but nobody had ever covered it in the way that we covered it. Nobody had ever gone out on a mission to find out who killed Stevie, Michael, and Christopher. Everything was around the other three. So, and so that was a very specific set of circumstances where the title The Forgotten West Memphis Three came from. So, yeah, again, I can't rule it out, but it's, it's definitely not my intention. As of right now, um, for those of you who are on social media, I put out a call a couple weeks ago for some volunteers that were trying to, trying to delegate some things. I have a ton of people that are always wanting to help out. And so I, 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 I put a post up to anybody that wants to volunteer for, for a number of different things that we have going on around here. But one of them was to help select our next case. And um, we've got now we have a team of six six people that are all listeners from all different backgrounds. I would say their names right now, but I don't remember exactly all of them off the top of my head, and I don't want to miss anybody. So you'll hear about them later. But you know we've got everything from people with you know master's degrees in library research to people who have worked for state police agencies to experts in open records requests to people who work for innocence organizations. We we've put together a hell of a team right now that is working on selecting the next case. So with that team, I'm certain that we're going to end up for in season 11 with a case that you know, meets those criteria in, in that somebody that I truly believe is wrongfully convicted and that needs help, that doesn't have help. Lauren says, has Pam Hicks heard anything about this destroyed evidence? Did West Memphis contact her at all? And would she be able to sue if it was destroyed? I don't know if Pam herself knows. I did have um, one of her sisters reach out to me uh, after the episode aired and, and thank me for what we were doing, and said you know they're 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 listening and watching closely as how this develops. Um, but as as far as if Pam can sue, and that I, I don't I don't know. I haven't heard from Pam directly, uh, and I don't know if she's been made aware yet. I assume she is because her sister knows about it. Lynn says, what legal obligation did the police have to notify the accused of the so-called fire 15 years ago? Well, I mean, as we said now, we know that there was no fire. So that, that kind of, you know, null and voids that the whole thing. But I don't know exactly what legal obligation. But keep in mind, 15 years ago, like we already knew that was bullshit. They were, the Alfred plea happened uh, 10 years ago, just shy of 10 years ago. It was in August of 2011. And leading up to, they were still testing this evidence at that time. There was testing happening with the evidence right then. So it definitely, we know it wasn't destroyed before that. Jenna says, what would the specific legal consequences be if the evidence has been destroyed? Would the Alfred plea be thrown out completely so now they can sue for wrongful conviction? Or would they just be suing for breach of contract or destroying evidence in their case? And would it really make a difference either way? I don't know. The biggest issue, as Zach said, is it'll. If the evidence is actually gone, then we'll, I mean, we'll never find the truth. I think what we found through the investigation I did through making the TV show is that this case isn't going to be solved by a witness. It's not going to be solved by a new voice coming into the case. The only thing it's going to take science and forensic evidence to, to solve this case. So that's the, 
you know, that's the most upsetting part. Uh, as far as what um, Damian, Jason, and Jesse can do, I don't know. I mean, this is it's not new ground. I, you're, I think I mentioned on the episode. I don't remember if it was on on the air or not when I was talking to Lonnie about the Young Blood case. But there, there is legal precedent out there, you know. And I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not the one that would, you know, I don't know what the options would be. But I know I think it was Mike Ware who told me about the Young Blood case when we were discussing it in Kenny Snow's case, where you know it was something similar to this, where the state was required. I think it's out of Arizona. The state was required to preserve the evidence, and then they're also required to allow new DNA testing. And this guy said he wanted to do, you know, put in a motion to to do DNA testing on the evidence in his case to prove his innocence and the state had destroyed it. And so they this they went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court's ruling if I, my understanding is right was that well, if the state was required to have the evidence and and he has a right to test it and you threw out the evidence, then the court should then view that evidence as though it was favorable to him. And he was exonerated uh, because they destroyed the evidence because they had no choice other than to say, well, it, well, the evidence would have exonerated him because we'll never know because they illegally destroyed it. But, but it, it does a lot of things. You know, it opens up lawsuits. It opens up different avenues for exoneration. I'm not a lawyer. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't know where things will go, but there's, it's definitely, as I said, they, they are backed into a corner big time right now. Kim says, what actions do you recommend we take now, if any, to support finding answers to where the evidence is? Has the prosecutor or PD provided a list of what they say they have and what they don't? They haven't. That's what they're waiting for in the, uh, with the open records requests. Their legal team is still pushing. What we can do right now is it's the same thing as we did before. We need to write letters. We need to make phone calls. We need to send emails. I need to, I need to put together a better contact form that's easier. You know, at the, the episode, we just directed you. And that is a great place to get all that information to westmemphis3.org, their website, and it's got contact information there. Uh, but I'll try to put together a graphic like I did last time after the TV show that has in one place where you can get all that information. But we need to keep putting pressure on and letting letting the district attorney's office know that we're not going away and we're going to continue to push and we're going to demand answers. And then from there, we wait for Damien's legal team to, to give us direction on what, what they want us to do next. Brian says, at the risk of putting a crazy conspiracy theory out there, what do you think the chances are that if the evidence isn't destroyed yet, that someone will actually destroy it now and fraudulently backdate the documentation just so the DA or whoever can save face? I think that's why we need to we need to immediately be putting pressure on them and let them know that all eyes are on them, because I'm sure that's being considered. I mean, according to Damien, I didn't I haven't heard this anywhere that other than him, it was re, it was reported to them from a reporter that a a that Cressman had told a reporter that he's planning to file a motion to try to destroy the evidence, which is which is I mean outrageously disgusting that in the midst of them trying, if that's true. In the midst of them trying to get this DNA testing done, that he's making an active effort to destroy the evidence. And by the way, that quarter—that's what would be required. Like you can't in, in a case where it is legally documented and required that the evidence be preserved. The only way that you're allowed to destroy it is through a court order, and that's that's why you know the, it should be very easy for them to track this. You can't just destroy evidence. When the state law says that you're not allowed to destroy it and you're under an agreement and contract that says you're not going to destroy it. 
I just can't understand why these people are so actively working to protect the people before them. If this is, you know, if this holds up as a wrongful conviction, which it should. Right. But how, why are these new people that have no involvement with this before actively trying to push this away? I think that it probably has to do with a number of things. You know, number one, I think is probably money. If they are proven to be full, you know, as part of the Alfred agreement, they can't sue them. Uh, you know, when they're, when they're still pleading guilty, mm-hmm. but if then there's new evidence presented and they are, and they were truthfully wrongfully convicted and they can, they can prove that and they're exonerated, then they can sue the state for a hell of a lot of money. Um, so I think that probably plays into it. And I don't know. I feel like there's, there's gotta be pressure coming from somewhere, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's top down from the state that doesn't want to, uh, risk the money, but I don't believe that even. Well, that's the part that gets me because if they're willing to do this, they're they're still opening themselves up to a lawsuit, right? So, so monetarily, what are you really doing? Yeah, I I don't know. It makes you wonder: is there is there someone behind the scenes that is pushing for this not to be done? Do they have connection? Is there a suspect in the case that? I mean, I mean, how you know how big of a tinfoil hat do you want to wear at this point? When they're showing you that they're willing to go to these lengths, then then it's hard to know how far they'll go. It's scary for sure. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Miriam says, hi, Bob. Can you clarify which pieces of evidence, if any, you have physically seen yourself during your initial investigation? Not any of this evidence that we're talking about here. When I, I went into Ellington's office and they brought in several boxes of, air quotes, evidence in the case. But it was mo- it was mostly documents that I was looking at. These were everything documents, even even printed off emails between the family and Ellington, um, you know, lab tests, things like that. There wasn't a, the only physical evidence that I recall seeing. Um, I know there was some, but I remember they had the um, the teeth molds that they took of uh, of Damian, Jason, and Jesse. The molds were were in those boxes somewhere, but there wasn't any of the you know there wasn't bikes, clothes, stuff like that. Stuff that was stuff that is packaged and pres- that had been sent to a lab and is packaged and preserved uh, was not. These were just boxes of files. Our last questions from Sarah, not case specific, but do you think the current scrutiny put on past cases will lessen misconduct and false confessions in the future? Meaning, do we think all this true crime focus will help outside of any law change? Yeah, I mean that's 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 a big part of our mission. You know, there's there's the 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 close view of what we're doing is the specific case that we're working on, but then the macro view of what we're doing is we're trying to change the system, and not just me, not just us as a as an audience, but you know that that's you know the the true crime podcast genre specifically, the wrongful conviction true crime podcast genre specifically. You know, take us, the undisclosed podcast. Look at you know Madeline Barron. Maggie Freeling, you know, all these podcasts that are out there that are, that are covering these wrongful conviction and, and they're exposing police for, and prosecutors for what they're doing. 
And it's not, I remember I just last, last night had a Facebook conversation with somebody that didn't like an implication that I made about a cop in the, the Jennifer Jeffley case. And, you know, as, as I said, like, I'm going to call people out for, you know, I'll, I'll tell you if it's my opinion or things are facts, but exposing misconduct is a big part of, and a lot of people don't like that. There's people out there that don't like, well, you shouldn't be picking on these cops and these prosecutors, you know, for they're just trying to do their job. But no, I'm sorry. You have a standard that you need. If you're going to be in that position, you have a standard that you need to live up to because people's lives are in your hands and I am going to expose them and I am going to call them out on it. And and so is Maggie and so are, are Susan, Colin and Rabia and so is Madeline Barron and so are all these all these podcasts that, have, that, are, that are working on these wrongful convictions. And I know there's many more out there and there's many more to come. But, but the idea is, and I've been saying this since 2015, that, you know, I hope one day that there are police and sitting in a training somewhere and their training officers telling them, you better do your job like you're expecting a podcaster to broadcast every move you made to the whole world. And I honestly think that's starting to happen. I actually just, Zach and I went to dinner on uh, Friday and uh, one of his friends was there. I got to have a long conversation with is actually a police chief. We were talking about about this stuff, and as you know, as he said, same thing that I always say: nobody hates a dirty cop worse than a good cop. Mm-hmm. And 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 he was explaining some of the things that he teaches his new recruits, and it's along those lines. Like you need to do your job as though everyone can see what you're doing, because in 2021, everyone can. Besides the the cell phones that are everywhere, and the YouTube videos, and the body cameras, there are people like us all over the place that are digging deeply into these cases and exposing every move that was made along the way. And I do hope that that in the long term, that is going to change the way business is being done. All right. That's it for questions. All right. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, uh, speaking of Maggie Freeling, she was on this week's uh, True Crime Binge talking about her new podcast, Murder and Alliance, which is another, it's about the David Thorne case, uh, another wrongful conviction podcast. Maggie's doing a great job with that. So please, if you have some time, go check out uh, this week's episode of True Crime Binge with Maggie. Uh, and with that, we're getting back into the Jeffleys case this Sunday. You're going to hear part one of my conversation with Juan Mendiola. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show is created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yomnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. 
on the Patreon page. You can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. That's the worst part is I feel real silly when... I was like talking to my dad. We went fishing this week. <laughs> yeah, and he had to answer for it. Yeah. And he's like, You're, you, I heard you and Corey talking. You're invested in that cryptocurrency stuff. Like, so that's the Bitcoin? I'm like, Well, I'm not in Bitcoin. I'm in other coins. Like, well, what is it? I'm like, Well, psh, it's just, it's a blockchain. And they're like, He's like, What? Your dad trusts you for information. Yeah. And, and he's like, What? What is that? I was like, Well, it's just a way to, you know, like you encrypt stuff. Like, oh it's God. a way, like, you can send information. <laughs> Like, you know how, like, the election, they're talking about these, like, like voter ID laws and all this corrupt. Like, that could be put on a blockchain, and then that won't happen. And he's like, so the, where does the coin come in? I'm like, it's <laughs> in it. It's in it. It's in the block. <laughs> it's in the blockchain. But is it an actual coin? No. Yeah. I mean, no. But, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's like a. It's a number.